There are winners and losers in this world, right? We know that, we see it every day. We see it in sports, we see it in business, we see it in the court system. And because we see it every day, there's this idea that in order for someone to get ahead, somebody else has to lose. That's just the way things work. We know from our own experience that there are only, only so many people who make the team. Only one person gets the job. Only a select few make the cut. Why? Because there are winners and losers. Forbes recently reported that 1% of US households hold 15 times more wealth than the bottom 50% combined. Winners and losers in the game of life. This experience and observation about life in America has become completely ingrained in how we understand the world. And consciously or unconsciously, we drag this worldview into our relationship with God. We take this winner and loser mindset and apply it to our understanding of how God works, how God sees things. And because it's been such a big part of our own experience, it's hard to imagine that there could be another way. This is what we see today in our reading in Acts. And I, I'm sure you know a little bit about Peter's background, but um, just in case, uh, if you remember, Peter is a good Jewish boy, uh, but he wasn't good enough to get into rabbi school. So uh, he did what anybody else would do. He joined the family business, uh, got into the fishing business, and uh, he uh, worked in the fishing business until a new rabbi came along and gave him a second chance and asked him to follow him and learn from him. So Peter left the fishing business and lived his life with Jesus for the next three years. He seemed excited about becoming a leader in this new way of life, this new kingdom that Jesus talked about. And it was clear that he really didn't understand it but, but he knew he wanted to be a part of it. So we can only imagine the devastation he must have experienced on Good Friday. I'm sure he thought those last three years were a total waste when Jesus died on the cross. And I wonder at that point if he wasn't thinking, well, there are winners and losers, and maybe I just chose the losing team. Fortunately, Peter's faith was restored when Jesus appeared to him and others and was very much alive indeed. And because Peter doesn't do anything halfway, he became a pillar in this new way of living. He was an evangelist and a phenomenally gifted preacher who ultimately died for his faith. But even Peter, a pillar of the church, had to be reminded that God does things differently. Our reading in Acts picks up right in the middle of one of Peter's incredible sermons. It says, while Peter was still speaking, can you imagine, in the middle of a sermon, the Holy Spirit showing up. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the, whole, the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. 
for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Peter and the other disciples, who were all Jewish, were astounded to see that God was giving the Spirit to everyone. The Holy Spirit was poured out now even on the Gentiles. So it turns out it, it wasn't just for the Jewish people, nor was this new kingdom. And, and the funny thing is, it was never limited to just the people of Israel. Apparently, in all his good Jewish upbringing and in all his time with Jesus, uh, Peter missed some important details in Scripture. Things like the psalm we read today, referring to God's righteousness for all nations. Heroes of the faith like Ruth and Rahab, both of whom were Gentiles. The story of Jonah, a prophet sent specifically to preach salvation to the Assyrians. These were Gentiles who were sworn enemies of Israel. Peter and these other disciples totally missed the idea that God's kingdom, um, in, in God's worldview, if there is such a thing, there are no winners and losers. There are only people who are beloved. God's kingdom is completely inclusive. It's a place where everyone is welcome and wanted, even the Gentiles. Unfortunately, earthly man-made kingdoms are nothing of the sort. It's why we resist kingdom language. Earthly kingdoms are built on this idea of winners and losers, of power and oppression, of kings and servants. And Jesus came to abolish all of that and show us what love incarnate looks like how it lives, how it relates to people, how it deals with hardship and loss. Jesus shows us that no political kingdom, no religious kingdom, no kingdom of any human design can contain God's all-encompassing love. Even death can't contain it. And the church is supposed to be a, a picture of God's infinite kingdom where love is the only rule and everyone is a winner. It's supposed to be a place where God's spirit fills everyone, even the Gentiles. Unfortunately, the church has been hijacked in some cases by those who would use it to advance their own cause, to create their own kingdom where there are winners and losers. In these cases, uh, the church has actually been weaponized as an agent of exclusion. And I wanna just tell you today, if, if you have experienced that exclusion for any reason, for past mistakes, for who you are or who you love, I, I just want to apologize on behalf of the church. Exclusion has no place in God's kingdom. And I would like to assure you, as the Episcopal Church does, that God loves you. There are absolutely no exceptions. Diversity is a gift to remind us that we are in a community defined by God's standards, not our own. And I have to be, I have to wonder if, if Peter needed to be reminded, maybe we do as well.
who are you Gentiles? Because no matter how woke we think we are, there are people who we look at who we think are unenlightened, uninformed, or maybe even beyond the pale of God's grace. Can we love people with a different political view? Can we love people who have their own ideas about issues, um, vaccines, for example? Can we love, can I love, let's, let's make it personal here, can I love somebody who is suspicious of my worldview and takes exception to it? And before I question their sanity and, and get angry, can I step back for a minute and recognize that just maybe the Spirit of God is at work in them too. Maybe that person is angry because they're afraid of winding up on the losing side of life. Or maybe that person is angry because they're tired of being on the losing side of life. And maybe I get angry back for the same reasons. No matter what, though, we need to remember that God's big love embraces us all. And the thing is, if we as the church, a, a snapshot of God's kingdom here on earth, if, if we as the church can't love the person who's different than we are or who has a different worldview, then there is no hope for unity in this nation. Without love, there is no hope for justice, and there will certainly be no peace. It has to start with us, right here, right now. Especially now, as we consider coming back together in person, I would like to challenge all of us to recommit to this alternative community called the church, the place that is radically inclusive, where even the Gentiles are welcome and wanted.